Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Hey, Fem Fam. How many of you are beginner filmmakers like us who are trying to learn the trade all on your own? Scouring the web for help can be time consuming and limiting. I mean, <laughs> that's how we've learned most of what we know. But what if there was a structured online course on cinematography that you can follow right in the comfort of your very own home, aka editing bay? And that's why we're excited to spill the tea about our partnership with Tropic Color, a leading company in the production of LUTs, effects, and more. Most importantly, they've developed an online course that includes over 70 topics, led by two professional DPs who've worked on all types of sets and really know the industry. Tropic Color's Cinematography Masterclass will take you through pre-production, lighting, camera breakdown, and more. Here at FemRegard, we only want to provide you with the best tools out there because we know it's possible to get better without having to spend thousands of dollars on film school. That's why we'd like to offer you a special discount code to sign up for Tropic Color's Cinematography Masterclass. Just head on over to tropiccolor.com, spelled the British way, T-R-O-P-I-C-C-O-L-O-U-R, and use our code FEM10, that's all caps, F-E-M-M-E-1-0, when you're checking out, and boom! All this knowledge and an already great price for an extra 10% off. Get it, fam? Hello and welcome back, fam fam. Today, before we get started, let's start right off with the tea. Um, We are doing Simply Balanced, Fair Trade and Organic, um, Mint Decaf Tea today. (laughs) We we, um, made sure, well, we didn't make sure, but... Tessa made sure to tell me that it was decaf because my pre-workout is giving me the shakes. So yeah, Carolyn and I already had our uh, energy for the day. Well, We're... for the first half of the day, we'll probably have caffeine we'll have later. We'll have to today. have another cup yeah. of coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there exactly. you go. Yes, but nice and relaxing mint, um, all organic from Target. You know, all that jazz. Well, it tastes quite nice. Good. Are good. you a I'm tea glad drinker? You like it. I do. I drink a lot of tea. Oh, Beautiful. good. I'm so glad. We yeah. love our our guests who appreciate the tea with the show, you know. Perfect. I and, like I like a lot of uh, different kinds of tea, like mm-hmm. Chinese, different tea, black yeah. tea, green tea. Do you do That's, the loose leaves? Yes. You're all about yeah. that I too. have a clay pot with an infuser. and Nice. I put the <laughs> Lapsong, Suchong, or the Kimun, or the Oolong. And, yeah. That's yeah. what I love about tea is there is so many different kinds. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm a daily coffee drinker, but like... There's not that, like, I like it black. There's not that much you can do with black <laughs> coffee. You know what I mean? I mean, sure, there's different roasts, but it's not quite the same. Cowboy coffee, we call it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I drink it black, too. First yeah. thing in the morning, cowboy mm-hmm. coffee. Every day. And then I like a tea at night, you know? Yeah. Just, like, yeah. getting it ready. 
Um, guys, we have Mr. Extraordinaire, executive producer, founding of Hentic Studios, Mr. Regis Brown. Yay. <laughs> Greetings to all. <laughs> Thank you for traveling all this way to the sunny Culver City. It is a hot 80 degrees today. We yeah. went from like 50 to like. But it's, okay, it's just a nice it was 80 degrees, degrees here. Well, in sunny nice. Burbank, California, just over the hill there, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's nice and cool because you're near the mountain, but then you come over the hill and it's a little warmer, but beautiful, but then you go beautiful back day and it's like in Los 90. Angeles. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a beautiful day. Sorry for all you other folks yeah. out there. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It is a lovely day. Yeah. But um, today we have you in the studio to discuss foreign... I don't, I don't know the exact title. Let's you, just call it the like, international film and television business. I like yeah. it. I like that. I like that. That was a yeah. better intro. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to cut mine. We're going to yeah. say that. I love that. When I met you, Regis, you gave me the most interesting elaborate story on how you even got to Hollywood and we're oh, not going to go yeah. into all <laughs> yeah. of that but I kind of got like the once upon a time Hollywood vibes oh it was um, yeah. <laughs> there was some hitchhiking involved oh yeah there was um and I would love if you could just tell everyone a little bit about where you're from and where you where you started out sure I'll, I'll give you the quick version <laughs> um wow so um I'll start with the part where I decided I'm <laughs> interested in the film and television I love business. That. And <laughs> I'm at Penn State University and shout out to Pennsylvania. Yeah. As I'm wearing my Penn shirt right now. <laughs> but I had the uh uh the good fortune I was afforded the opportunity to run a, a movie uh business on campus at Penn State, which involved, you know, booking all the movies for the university and you know, um showing those movies on the weekends and whatnot for uh, the students and, and uh, people in the community there up at State College, Pennsylvania. And so we would book the movies and, uh, you know, call up Films Incorporated or Swank Motion Pictures or whatever, and we would order those films and they would deliver them. And then we would actually, you know, put them in the movie theaters on campus. And so part of that uh, job of running that, I had a, a number of projectionists that that worked for the, uh, the, the movie co-op at that time. And so I was able to just hire myself also as a projectionist <laughs> because it helped me make extra money uh, to pay for Smart. <laughs> to yeah. pay for school <laughs> or, or buy groceries anyway and pay rent. But um, so through the process of, um, you know, being a projectionist over the course of a weekend, uh, you know, you'll watch a film, you know, eight, 10, 12 times. And, you know, you just sit there and you're watching it the mm -hmm. first time and it's like, oh, that's an interesting film. And then you, you, you keep going and then it's like you start to notice things. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, in the business school at the time. And so I stayed in the business school and, you know, kind of just kept doing that. But as I got further and closer to graduation, I was like, hey, you know, this is a, this is a very interesting business. You know, this is art and commerce. And, uh, you know, people do this for a living. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, wonderful place, <laughs> you know, Steeltown, USA. Tessa you, knows. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> we you, already talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to go to your family and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to go to Hollywood and get involved in the film and television business. You know, people are like, what? That's crazy. You're crazy. That's crazy talk. <laughs> Don't do that. But anyway, that's exactly what I did when I graduated from 
from Penn State, I decided that I would go out to Hollywood and 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 and, and investigate um, and get into that business. So I hitchhiked from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, down <laughs> to to Los Angeles, California. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But <laughs> so I, I I had done a lot of hitchhiking through my college years. I basically hitchhiked the length and width of the United States. And so, you know, it took a good, you know, week to 10 days to get out to California and, um, you know, whatever along the way, it was fun. And, um, you know, I arrived in downtown LA and I was like, okay, you know, I got to figure out how to get into the film business. And there you were, you networked your way. You then eventually got your first gig at a production company, right? Yeah, that's right. I, um, I was like looking for anything and everything. And my first that's what you do, guys. Yeah, that's yeah. what you, you do, look man. For anything and everything. Anything <laughs> and everything. And, you know, my first, I guess you would say your first, my first real job, I mean, the movie business job at Penn State was real, but the first real Hollywood movie business job was with Canon Films. And I, uh, they were looking for a receptionist mm-hmm. in post-production. And Canon Films at the time was the largest independent um, producer and distributor of, of, of independent movies. They were okay. what was called like a mini major. You know, they were mm-hmm. doing all of the Chuck Norris, Charles Bronson, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they had the full integrated system, uh, you know, development, pre-production, production, post-production, marketing, distribution, what have you. And there was uh, this receptionist job on the second floor. And I was like, cool, uh, I'm going to go for that. And, yeah. and, and, and yeah. I went for it. And I got it, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm so glad I had the, uh, the 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 insight to do that because you know I know a lot of friends that had gone to film school and stuff like that, and you know they they were they were they were like no I'm not gonna you know I, I'm I'm a director or mm-hmm. I'm a producer or you know I I'm I'm this, and I was like hey man I'll take the job as a receptionist yeah. you know, yep. and the thing of it is is you know, film schools are great, but they also do a, a little bit of a disservice, in my opinion, to a lot of people making them think that they're professional Hollywood grade ready. Yeah. Uh, the, the minute, minute they, they get the, out. The minute yeah. they get out of, you know, look, we go to university to get educated. Mm-hmm. We don't go to get a job. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter if you're ready. If you're straight out and you don't know mm-hmm. anyone and you haven't been on a set, like you can't. Forget about <laughs> it. Right. You can't expect to be in there. So there I was, you know, and I was the guy who was like, get me a cup of coffee and make some photocopies and fill out these FedEx forms. And I was like, great. So I did. <laughs> I was doing that. Yeah. And but, you know, on my lunch hour, I'd go down to the post product. I'd, I'd go down to the edit bay. I got to know all the the engineers. They had an ADR Foley room. I, you know, I'd hang out in there and watch them on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I'd go to the set and watch them film, yeah. you know. And so I I quickly learned that it was a business of connections and who you know. I mean, yeah, right. you know, I as the receptionist at Canon Films, I would get resumes from people that had like master's degrees mm-hmm. and they were trying to get in the door yeah. and, and they couldn't. They couldn't get in the door. Right. Whereas after a f- short period of time having uh, the the directory to every person in the building, yeah. I was quickly like I knew where the power uh, uh, sources were and I knew who I wanted to talk to and mm-hmm. I, you know, put my scheme in motion and eventually I, uh, you know. Yeah. I waited till the end of the day. 
the end of the day, when all the the guardians of the bosses have left for the day, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the boss is still in his office working, and I, you know, took the elevator up to the fifth floor, <laughs> and you know, hello, sir, <laughs> do you have a moment? And uh, you know, <laughs> the president of the company was there, and he was like. Uh, recognized me mm-hmm. from the second floor post-production he's like yeah sure come on in what's up so i sat down and i told him hey you know i'm down there i'm answering the phone in post-production mm-hmm. loving it nice people um, <laughs> happy to have the gig i said but you know i went to business school graduated from penn state i hitchhiked out here to get involved in the mm-hmm. film and television business i i got a place i got a job but you know I aspire to do quite a bit more and I wanted to let you know and tell you my story. And then the next day I got a call from the human resources department and Mm -hmm. they transferred me to the finance department (laughs) where I became a, a a booker and, uh, and, and, and and, uh, national cashier basically, Mm -hmm. uh, in the finance department where we would get all of the film and tell, uh, television revenue from all of the, the, the film circuits from the company's movies. And we would have to allocate that, So it was kind of a boring accounting related job at that point, but it was in finance. And so I was starting the process of, of watching the flow of the money. Mm -hmm. Which you, I'm sure learn so much about. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, to me, um, you know, I quickly, you know, cause around that time also I would be doing some freelance work, you know, I would go out and work on rock videos, be a PA craft service, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, if there was a job and it involved film, uh, film and television opportunities, you know, my friends and I, we would go out and we would do those jobs, even if they were, you know, craft service jobs. Yeah. Um, but what I learned about working in production is that it's a lot of hurry up and wait, yeah. you know, you got like 12 hour days mm-hmm. and you got a gig that lasts a week and then you got to go find a new job. And then maybe you get on a film or maybe you get on a series of, you know, rock videos or something like that. But, you, you know, you're always worried about where's the next job. Mm-hmm. And that's the life of production. And it's hard to have a normal life like that. But then as I looked at, you know, the structure of Canon films and I started to see how the system was working, you know, I gravitated towards the distribution business because there was a professional, uh, you know, there was a professional level jobs there that paid well, but then these people had regular gigs, mm-hmm. right? Like right. it's hard to uh, have a normal life just working in production. Yeah. Uh, but when you have a regular gig and, you know, you can count on the, the paycheck and the health care and all of those kind of things that go with a regular steady job, it makes life a little easier. Um, and so I looked at the distribution business at that point as kind of, um, you know, like executive producer training school. Yeah. Like what I observed at Canon Films was the president and the people who ran the distribution company were very close. Like, uh, but, you know, directors and actors and, 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 you know, people in production grips and, you know, all God bless them. They came and went. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the president of the company wanted to talk to the person running the distribution company pretty much on a regular basis. You know, they'd go to lunch, whatever. And then the development people would also be involved in that because, you know, distribution informs the company on what to make. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't sell it, don't make it. 
Yeah. Uh, at least if you're in that part of the business where you're making film and television for entertainment purposes and you expect to sell it and make a profit. Mm-hmm. Not so, quite the same for independent filmmaking then? Well, I mean, I guess... You still want to make something you know that... You want to know your audience always, but yes. if your end goal is to also sell and be successful there, you you should probably take that into consideration. Sure. I mean, I I, I used to... I still break it down into three kind of different categories. It's not all mutually exclusive, but I, it's, I look at it like this. You know, there's film and television for the purpose of like information, mm-hmm. documentaries, mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole world onto itself, right? And that's a legitimate uh, approach to the, the, the craft. Then there's, you know, film and television for the sake of art. Mm-hmm. And, and that is certainly uh, uh, a noble calling. Um, and, and, and that's a thing onto itself. It's not driven by profit so much. You know, people, mm-hmm. you know, give grants and endowments for people to go do that kind of thing. And then there's film and television for the purposes of entertainment mm-hmm. and business. And that is its that was the area I gravitated to. And that has its whole own unique set of rules. I mean, you're making a product to make a profit, right. mm-hmm. first and foremost. And you're making a product for an audience that you're trying to entertain. So now you need to really follow the rules if you're in that space. Gotcha. And the rules are, you know, what demographic are you trying to, you know, who are you producing this product for, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, what are the competing products out there? And so as you, as you look at that, you know, um, distribution becomes a very important component of that process. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Canon Films was a, you know, um, a company that, produced entertainment for entertainment purposes and intended to make a profit through it. So they would make these movies, you know, Missing in Action and, you know, Cyborg and, you know, Death Wish and all of those and and, and lots of others, you know, like uh, the Canon Films had a big library, but they were first and foremost, um, you know, entertainment vehicles to make a profit. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the business that way, then you have to really look at your development process and then your sales and and marketing process and your distribution process. And what I found out was just right up my alley was the distribution department had this thing called the Cannes Film Festival that they would go to. Hmm. And this is where, you know, everybody would go and, you know, they would buy and sell the films. Mm -hmm. This is where Mm -hmm. you, this is where you would sell the films so that you would pre-sell them in a sense so that you could finance the cost of productions. You'd meet all these people that were buying the films and then you could aggregate those, those, you know, commitments to purchase the product that you were planning to make to use that money to um, produce uh, and pay for the cost of production. And so being an army brat and having traveled around the world um, and then being able to see that the business had an opportunity that had a, an, an international flavor, I was like, <laughs> wow, go. that's that's for me. Yeah. And so I, I moved closer and closer to that area. And so in my opinion or in my view of the, you know, the Hollywood architecture, you know, I came to see the international distribution business as executive producer training school. Mm-hmm. It teaches you. It taught me what the market want wanted in terms of product and trends and whatnot. And it taught and then I got to study, you know, what the market was willing to pay, whether it was German speaking or France, you know, French speaking or whether, Whoa. you know, whether it was <laughs> so, Spanish. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, so as uh, for many years, my core business was distribution. I would 
I would sell movies and television shows to different television networks and movie circuits around the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, different markets pay different rates. But once you start to understand what, you know, that the top 10 markets of the world will deliver you the most uh, in terms of license fees, that helps you finance production. Now that informs your development slate. You're not going to go make some random thing. Right. You're going to yeah. make something that 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 you have the... meets that market demand. Right. Yeah. right. You know, if if you're pursuing that that piece of the business. Now, if you're if you're like back there in that other area, uh, talking about just making something for art or making something for documentary, which that's yeah, totally legitimate, but it just depends on where your interests yeah. lie. And as an independent filmmaker, you could still enter that the commercial or not commercial, but the third option where you are like selling to those bigger production companies. And but you again just have to play by those rules because now you yeah. know you have Netflix that you can kind of pitch your work to, or sure, and mm-hmm. you just have to be aware it's a different structure and ball game. Well, I, yeah. you know, I think. There's no question now that the industry is complete. It's a global business, Mm -hmm, right? right? I mean, if you're going to take the time, effort, and energy to make any piece of media, whether it's, you know, a short or, you know, a half an hour episode or a one hour episode or a full feature film, why not make something that has a chance to sell to as many markets as possible? Yeah, Yeah, that's something we discovered Uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, it's (laughs) so hard to get it together for just, yeah, you know, you might as well give yourself as much chance as you can to succeed. Yeah. And the way you do that is to, you know, open yourself up to other markets. I mean, it's fine just to focus on the U.S. market, uh, but it's sort of, in my opinion, a little short-sighted. I mean, there's a whole world out there. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem with Hollywood, and I love Hollywood, but mm-hmm. the problem is, is that the industry here is very mature and the barriers to entry are very high. Mm-hmm. Meaning like if you're looking at the studio system, you know, Disney, Warner Brothers, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Universal, what have you, you know, that system is very mature and, mm-hmm. you know, there's unionized issues and, and it's hard for somebody who, you know, doesn't have family in the system or hasn't grown up here in Hollywood to come in and break in and get into those, you know, get into those meaningful jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, just getting those jobs. It's not like you call up Universal, say, hey, you know, I'm ready to be an art director. You know, you'll start, I'm ready to be a writer now. You know, they're going to say, well, no, we only deal with SAG or WGA Mm -hmm. or, you know, this union or that union. It's very difficult to get through that. Uh, whereas if you look at to the international market, there's all sorts of burgeoning film and television industries happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 30 right. years ago, you know, uh, may, maybe not as much, but now, you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity to, uh, to, to get in there and do production and, uh, you know, not have to, you know, be solely reliant on the Hollywood studio system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think people, I know I really didn't realize how important, I guess, international, the international market is to even independent films, you know, like if you're trying to get any sort of distribution and make any sort of profit, like you really have to explore that. And I think people just think, you know, oh, well, I'm making this movie in English here in America, so I'm going to try to sell it here in America, you know. 
but really right. there i mean the world is huge guys like yeah. there are so many other markets and yeah. a lot of them want english speaking a lot of them can afford to overdub it into their language like it's yeah. not that hard to sell to any other country that doesn't speak english you know and it's really important to explore well that. that's right and and the thing is is like anybody that my advice to anybody to the extent it matters but my advice to anybody who's seriously considering a career in the film and television business before you start making film and television are, you know, somewhere along that path and early rather than later, you need to go to the market. You need to go to the Cannes Film Festival or you need to go to the MIPCOM Festival, which is also in Cannes, but is more a different time of year. Mm -hmm. um, you need to go to, uh, you know, Hong Kong Film Mart or the London screenings. You need to go to market. Mm -hmm. And market is these different, you know, they talk about film festivals like Sundance and stuff like that. And that is a, you know, that's a film festival and it's great. But that has a sort of like creative flair kind of, uh, you know, publicity kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the business market like Cannes yeah. or MIPCOM where the buying and selling takes place. Mm. You need to go there and you need to, you know, pay the entry fee and walk around for a few days and, and see what companies are doing and what um, what the market is doing, mm -hmm. because then you're going to have a sense of uh, proportion. I mean, there is a tremendous amount of product in the yeah. world market. And, you know, if you're not eight out of 10 are better in every category of development, and I'm talking character story, you know, I'm talking about, you know, your cinema photography, your direction, mm -hmm. you know, your acting. And all. if you're not eight out of 10 or better, don't go and yeah. don't spend the money. I mean, right. not to market. I'm saying stop yourself from spending money on production until you have a, a professional product. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you shouldn't try to do stuff. Everybody should, you know, there are a lot of things that we did in the early days, just, you know, with a few friends and some cameras and some sound equipment and all mm -hmm. of that. And, and you do that. But the thing is, is when you start moving towards, you know, the professional business of making a living yeah. through making entertainment in film and television, you got to step up to the standards that are expected. Right. Absolutely. And, and, the, and know what they are. And know mm -hmm. what they are. And, and the fastest way you're going to understand that is to go to market and see what's what. And market's yeah. fun, by the way. It's a <laughs> bunch of people hanging out, you know, uh, you know, buying and selling film and television and, and then having cocktail parties and going off to restaurants and all of that stuff. It, it costs a bit to go, but, uh, you know, you really come away with a sense of, you know, understanding of what the market will bear. Mm -hmm. I love that you, you broke that down because I don't know why I just picture market like a job fair where everyone's at a little booth <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you know, everyone's in suits and like, it's like real. Like... <laughs> it's a variety. I mean, you'll have these, you'll have, you know, Buena Vista will have this big, huge booth and Paramount and, you know, Netflix and, mm -hmm. and the, you know, they all have their big, huge booths and yeah, people are dressed up in their business suits and whatnot, but you know, at the same time, you have they're they're advertising all of this fun, you know, Avengers and you know different movies and different yeah. television shows and all of that stuff. And then the people from the different countries are like, "Hey, yeah, you know, we'd like to have that here." And you know, we run a series of uh, you know movie theaters, and we have uh, blah blah blah. We own this network, and they go and they buy that stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's you know? really cool. Yeah, I mean, like the BBC. 
in the UK is like top broadcaster. Yeah. But they don't just broadcast only British content. Right. You know, they want SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and where are they going to get it? They're going to get it at the market because they're talking to Nickelodeon, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's, it's a fascinating uh, thing because, you know, there's not... Uh, it's a small community. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are thousands of people at the market, but, you know, the real decision makers, you know, when you start looking at the top networks and the top, you know, movie circuits and all of that stuff, you know, once you get piped into that group and you know that, you know, so-and-so buys for, you know, France Television and so-and-so mm -hmm. buys for ABC TV Australia and so-and-so buys for, you know, Channel 5 UK and you go to market and you set your meetings and you book them in advance and you go see those people. And then that, that's a whole other story, you know, trying to get those meetings. You, right. know, you spend a lot of time having people tell you no. That's the other thing about this business. I yeah. mean, you know, it, no means no today. <laughs> it doesn't, I love that. you know, I mean, yeah. but you can't make, you know, you can't turn into an irritation for a person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like trying to date the pretty girl in school, you know, if you <laughs> ask her out and she's like, no, you know, you almost expect the first time she's going to say no. And she's testing your commitment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta expect no, you know, say if you can't get in the front door, you go around and knock on the back door. If you the can't get, friend. if you can't get through, <laughs> you gotta work the angles. You know, if you can't get in the back door, you like knock on the window, you know, <laughs> It's a process, you know, yeah, it is. It's a process. and then you find a reason to, uh, you know, reach out to that person again and say, hey, yeah, remember you told me, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, you know, I kind of, you know, we, we, we've revisited our development and mm -hmm. we've kind of, you know, you're trying to get the selling of a product to a buyer isn't a one-off occasion. Yeah. I mean, it used to take me anywhere from, I would say, seven to ten seven to 12 meetings over the course of a year before I could get a buyer into a discussion as to whether they were going to give me money for the product. Mm -hmm. The first meeting would, would have been like a cup of coffee and, and, and Hey, how are things going? And, you know, I see that you're getting an X rating, an excellent rating on this show. Mm -hmm. You know, do you see any time slots opening up? What are you looking for? And then I go after that and craft my argument to mirror that discussion. And yeah. they, Hey, you were telling me you were looking for something all family with a kind of, uh, you know, mm -hmm. environmental spin, you know, yeah. will you take, we've got this idea, you know, Okay. and then you start massaging that discussion. Now mm -hmm. they're not going to make a decision right then and there. They're going to say, yeah, but you know, if we, and so you take their suggestions and you go away and you say, Hey, remember when you told me that, you know, it would be interesting if we had some kind of like, uh, you know, maybe we had some bears or maybe we had some, uh, you know, koalas or oh something. You know? So <laughs> we, we ran with that in yeah. development. And now, you know, <laughs> let me show you this, uh, you know, th th this new take here. Yeah. That's selling because now yeah. what you've done is, you, is, is you've taken that person's idea and invested them in your idea. Yeah. They're going to be more interested in that. See, every buyer network, whatever. They all want to be producers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they want to feel ownership. You hear that, guys? <laughs> they want to feel ownership in the concept that, that they're buying. Right. And that doesn't happen in one meeting. Yeah. You know? Right. 
if you're selling content that way, that's just library product. And yes, somebody else is probably going to be responsible for that. But the head buyer isn't looking for that. The head buyer is looking for the next great, you know, TV series or movie or something like that. And you're going to have to know that they're going to want to feel emotionally involved in that. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to be able to say, see that? I did that. Mm -hmm. I bought that. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason that character and the reason that character's in there, that's because I told them to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. They want yeah. to feel invested, like that they had a voice in it. I, anyone does when they're yeah. they're buying something, and they want to feel like it's yeah, it's kind of their idea too. Yeah, you know? and like, that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the that's the art of the sell. You know, to to build them into uh, the enthusiasm of of green lighting that specific product. Yeah, you know, showing them the script and the development, and you know, that's where. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. A second ago but what i was wondering is at that given instance the development or should you have some things some parts of it shot do you have the whole movie shot like where in stages of development should you be confident to then go speak to a dc or yeah a, okay someone at market well so there's no one set way to do this <laughs> right course. um and then there's there's a different framework. I mean, you know, you've got your studio business and then you've got your independent business and then, you know, you've got international co-productions where you're working with other producers so that you can collaborate in order to raise the money to make something. But let's just say for, you know, discussion purposes that, you know, you're talking about a television series or a movie that you want to do and it's an, an independent product and, you know, you need to raise, you know, $8 million to make 26 episodes, or you need to raise $5 million to make the movie or whatever. The first step, in my opinion, would be, you know, it's like, well, who's going to buy what mm-hmm. what we're making? I mean, who, who are our targeted buyers? And so you get your list together mm-hmm. of, you know, okay, we're going to go after Netflix and we're going to go after HBO and we're going to go after right. whatever. Yeah. So you get your whole list of that together and, and, and you shouldn't limit yourself just to the U.S. market because, you know, why exclude all those other buyers? You know, because sometimes you could like get the enthusiasm of a of a, an international partner inv- before you get to a U.S. partner. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to your U.S. partner and say, oh, and by the way, you know, we've um, we've we've built in the BBC UK is interested in yeah. the show and they're going to, they've agreed to come on board for, you know, uh, 30%. And so now it's all of a sudden that some, somebody else is involved yeah, and, and it gives it, you know, more credibility or whatever. We're already huge in England. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, you can do all of this at the development phase. Susie already agreed to take me to the prom. You yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> that's like, right. That's right. Sorry, I'm, I'm just, I'm putting her on the back burner. We don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So, I mean, you massage that process and, and, you know, ideally you would have a portfolio mm-hmm. of things because it's hard to just put all your eggs in one basket. Right. But when you go and you meet with these different buyers, you can't be like, you know, it's creativity by the pound. If you don't like that one, here's this one. And oh, if yeah. you don't like that, one. I mean, you can do that maybe with two ideas mm-hmm. and still maintain credibility. But if you start being like, oh, well, let me pull out my bag and show you the <laughs> yeah. 500 pieces of development I have until you tell me that's the one you want. No, 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 nobody wants that meeting and they won't ever invite you back. Yeah. So you go in with one or two really well thought out ideas. And if they tell you, look, those aren't for us, you're like, okay, 
no problem. You know, just so I know, you know, what do you, what's on your radar? What are you looking for? Whatever. And then you don't call them up the next week and go back or whatever. Right. You know, you got to let some time pass by and you find a way to get to a cocktail party that they're going to be at, mm-hmm. or you find a way to be at some social function. Hey, organically develop the relationship. Okay. So these people like to see you. And, and then when the time is right and you'll, you'll feel it, you know, you go back and you, you ask for another chance to pitch something new. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it's about assembling those elements that they're going to be enthusiastic about. And in order to do that in the right way, I think you need to know something about the person and, 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 and the organization that you're trying to sell to, you know, what is their audience? Who is their audience? Yeah. What are they trying, what do they represent? What, you know, what are they about? And, you know, um, who are their competitors? Mm-hmm. So that if they say no, we can go to them, you know? Yeah. And, and so there's a lot of that, that kind of work that needs to be done and you have to be prepared to hear no a lot. But, but that's just, that's okay. You know, that's yeah. just part of the process. Just no for now. <laughs> yeah. No means no today. Yeah. No does not mean no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for all of that. Like that just, you learn like slowly how all of that works as you, you know, are a filmmaker out here. And that like really clears up a lot for me personally. I hope for you listeners too, that was really helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah and it's just, it's, it's another a way um, for you whole to market to think of and yeah yeah and figure out where where okay where can i meet these buyers where the market happening you know we oh. just listed a bunch of um you know yeah there's a lot of markets and... out there the festival i mean distinguish the difference between a film festival that people go to sort of publicize their film mm-hmm. and you know pr opportunities and you know for actors and actresses and whatnot um you know film competition type things. That's all fun and fine and well, but you got to find the market. Mm -hmm. That's the business, Mm -hmm. right? And that's where, you know, you've got to start identifying the buyers, what kind of product they're looking for and, and, and what market they're serving. Mm -hmm. You know, I do a lot of animation work. Nickelodeon is not the same as Cartoon Network. It's not the same as Disney. Those people in the animation business that know, look at a product and they'll be like, yeah, that's a Nickelodeon product, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, so you have to develop an, a, a, a sensibility of knowing that a, that this is a Netflix opportunity, but it's not an HBO opportunity, Yeah, you know? I mean, there, there are subtleties in the development. Mm-hmm. That's not to be, that's not to say that it can't be tweaked, mm-hmm. you know? You make, make a pitch, pitch to Netflix, they say no, find somebody else, they're interested, you modify it a little, yeah. you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, if our listeners want to contact you to ask you any more questions or anything, is there any way you would like to share LinkedIn or like, you know, anything like that? Just go to RegisBrown.com. Amazing. There you go, there guys. Go. Super easy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Regis. Thanks for sporting. He, he looks super dapper today, y'all. Yes. He has, he's sporting the Network Studios colors. I love well, it. I'm old school Hollywood, you know. <laughs> Three-piece suit. Way to go. I love it. Thank you so much, Regis. Hey, my yes, pleasure. Happy to chat anytime. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at FemRegard.com. 
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 